You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Yes, Pogues, who watches The Watchmen? I have an answer to that question. We did, and now we're going to talk about it. Is that, is that good? I want to do more of like a, you know, like, a, like you're passing the news story to me, like we're on the news. Is that? Is that okay. <clears throat> Hello, do you're listening to... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll do, I'll do one more. <clears throat> go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the Guidebook Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Pogues. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host. Looking for more? Well, Alan Moore. Uh, and I, uh, uh, no, that one work? No, that, no. One, was, that <laughs> one was aggressively worse. <laughs> well, if you haven't listened to the mini-sode, which you absolutely should, because, uh, frankly, if you skipped our mini-sode, you would have no context to the phrase, Grizzled Dog Man. Uh, so you should go listen to that mini so you can understand what that means. Now you should really just watch the mini or listen to the mini episodes just so you can hear all the stupid shit me and Ben say <laughs> that we would never say in a regular episode because we assume people actually listen to these. Uh, with that said, we're going to go on to what is our actual episode tonight, which is Watchmen. In case you didn't get it from the mini uh Alan Moore's and then adapted by Zack Snyder's Watchmen from two thousand nine. Um, if you've not listened to our show for that long, you might be unaware of our opinions of this movie, so I will uh, fill you in of what the dedicated listener already knows in a couple sentences. Pogue mostly doesn't like. I sort of like, but also don't like. Does that cover it? I think that's a, a fairly accurate <laughs> representation of... Because I, 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 I think it's true that the two of, neither of us think this movie is trash or an utter failure but we're both sort of like confused by a good majority of it <laughs> yeah we're confused and i mean i i will say it's a great adaption if you want to talk yes. about a good adaption Jesus i don't Christ. think there's a more faithful adaption to a thing i was just telling pokes uh before we started that this is um a really weird watch for me because we've done a lot of comic book movies obviously but most of the time when you get uh like say a spider-man like a sam raimi spider-man Sam Raimi is taking, like, 30 to 40 years of Spider-Man comics and just sort of gleaning pieces out to build his own movie. But this is different. I actually had the Watchmen comic in front of me, and I could just turn the page and read along with the movie because the pacing and the, the scenes, besides being truncated in a lot of places, were almost shot for shot. It's yeah, aside crazy. from, like, a few bizarre changes they make for no reason. <laughs> That's definitely true. Uh, but, yeah, I can't think of another movie that we've watched in our many, many episodes that, that does that. Like, can you think of another I, movie? I can't think of close? another movie that is this accurate of an Like, Lord yeah. of the Rings isn't this accurate enough of an adaption. I mean, this thing is... There are parts where it's literally they just took the... They must have just used the comic as the storyboard. It's the same angle. I mean, Z- Zack Snyder has said that he ha- he did that, that, that he used the comic as sort of his, like, proto-storyboard when doing the entire movie. So none of that surprises me because, yeah, I mean, we're talking, like, cine- cinematic angles match what happens in the comic in many places. Uh, the lines, uh, you know, are cut uh, up here and there, in some case to extreme detriment. And in other places... Uh, possibly to some value uh others are uh shot <laughs> with bizarre because there's things that aren't in the comic that we're, we're going to be added which we'll, we're going to get into right now namely music which i feel like was wielded like a fucking club in this adaptation for fuck's it, sake Zach. It, sometimes it is really good like i i honestly think that this movie has one of the best uh openings like the, the the credit opening, not the opening opening, which I find to be way too long. Uh, but the opening with the times they are a changing. It's pretty po- It's a pretty popular opening. A lot of people are a huge fan of. I it. like the yeah. way they took a bunch of the stuff which is only referenced in the. If you've ever read the Watchmen comics, every issue ends with sort of a uh, like a little background thing. There's like art. There's bits and pieces from Hollis's book Behind the Mask. Uh, there's an article that the night owl wrote about owls uh there's an article about the disappearance of the writer of uh the black freighter which is a comic inside of the comic that you read uh, yeah there's that, all I sorts think, of 
was actually turned into something after this, wasn't it? They made an animated version of the comic, which is actually right. pretty good. Um, which is cut out of this movie because it would be very hard to include. Uh, there's only one little reference to it, but it very yeah, much will... mirrors the story of Watchmen, and then you and... don't realize it at first the first time you read it. And I don't, I don't fault Zach for omitting the Black Freighter because that would be a very confusing experience for moviegoers. Um, yeah, to like, just oh, have like a voiceover of someone reading a comic. To have a short film in your inside of your film that doesn't feel necessarily related. Not that I'm saying it's not related to the book, but just you know, from a movie watcher perspective, like why am I um who? Oh, is this a like, hero? <laughs> the way it's done in the comic is like literally the the dialogue from the comic is like overlaid over the dialogue of the Watchmen comic. So sometimes it is confusing. Like while you're reading, you're like, wait, oh, this is the comic. It's very weird. But it's, yeah. it's very cool. But to your point, yeah, the intro is pretty famous because it does cover a swath of history. And it's important because this entire world's foundation is to be in an alternate uh, future, uh, like an alternate path the future could have taken with the, with the existence of, you know, these, these sort of um, uh, uh, um, mock versions of classical superheroes. And really just the, the inclusion of Dr. Manhattan. Like, nobody really? else yeah. is... I mean, this movie does something which is not really... This is like... A, this reminds me a lot of V for Vendetta, wherein there's very little action in the comic, and it's implied that everybody is just an ordinary person, but everybody is really, really strong in this movie. Like, to the point where it's like... a Like, the regular superheroes are like... They make... They're like Superman-level strong. And it's like, I don't yeah. understand. They're just regular people. Like, they do, the only they do person who actually the has superpowers... <laughs> Is Doctor Manhattan? Nobody else is that fast. Uh, like, that aside, it has powers. But then I said, folks, you did skip over the intro, intro, which is uh, where we watch a scene, perhaps unnecessarily extrapolated from the book, which is the murder of the comedian, which happens not in real time in the comic. Happens actually in sort of flashback panels while detectives are investigating the murder. But we also get that scene. <laughs> Like, we get the detective scene later on, but first we get a five-and-a-half-minute fight scene between what two it, characters we don't know. And what is crazy is it's not really a fight scene. It's just an old man being beat up. He really does nothing. And it's, like, needlessly long. It, it does not benefit the movie. It doesn't benefit his death. It's an like, odd place to extrapolate. It also, like, ruins yeah. the reveal, I think. Because, like, they do the reveal of Warshak finding out that he's the comedian. But while you're watching it, you're like, well, I know he's a superhero because he just got thrown through a fucking island in a uh, kitchen and then stood up like nothing happened. And it appeared to be made entirely of concrete, which is well, not how they build islands. But it's a, it's a reveal in two ways in that the person fighting him is also apparently super powered. Oh, it's so also, you... yeah, like super, super powered. Like this guy's so... fucking, I don't know even how to describe him. So, so rather than the only context you get from the book, which is detectives assuming that it was a robbery, maybe uh you don't get that you, you're immediately going into this movie going okay well a superhero murdered a different superhero <laughs> which is yeah. a very different place than you're at in the comic which is uh, it's small i guess but but i think it's, it's i think it's bad because i saw this movie with some friends of mine when it came out and yeah. i was the only one who had read watchmen and the one that's, guy that's really interesting to me because i'm curious i showed this movie to my parents and i had a similar thing where my mom had read it because she's hip and my dad had not. So like, the reactions while they watched it were very different. My mom enjoyed it, and my dad was kind of bewildered by it. My friends enjoyed it, but one of the guys said, that was really dumb that they showed the twist. Like, the whole time I knew that Ozymandias was the bad guy, because the, you can see his silhouette, and it's clearly that guy. He's like, he has like a really stupid haircut. And they were like, so the whole time I was like, well, that guy's the bad guy. He killed the comedian. So he's like, the whole movie was ruined for me. Yeah, because that's... the whole time he was like, I knew that a superhero had murdered a superhero. Then when we're introduced to superheroes, it, the guy has a very specific look. He's the only one who could have looked like the guy at the beginning because it's the actor instead of just making it a random person. So at least you couldn't tell. So I think it's like to a detriment because it's so long and it is like you can really tell that it is Ozymandias. There's like a shot where he's silhouetted, but you can see his stupid like comb over bowl cut that he has yeah so you're like well that's him there's only one guy whose hair kind of looks like a penis so it's like kind of a letdown um but so so 
it, 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 it's one of a couple places where Snyder extrapolates that I, I don't agree with his extrapolation. I think I mentioned earlier. It's one of those points where like he loses space for more important stuff, <laughs> you know? But yeah, there um, is probably 10 to 12 minutes of wasted screen time on stuff that is deeply upsetting. But but we have to we have to be uh, perhaps briefer with our scene recaps of this movie because of how fucking long this movie is. Did you? Is there runtime? Do you have like? Because I was rewatching, it, I was like, oh shit, I forgot. Uh, it's I believe this long. it was a hundred. It's two hours minimum. I don't know. Let me just see if I can look it up here real quick. But when it's I was watching it, it's a hundred. It's, it's, it's hundred and sixty-two minutes uh, in the original theater. It's one eighty-six with the director's cut, and it's two hundred and fifteen with the ultimate cut. Yeah, I watched the regular, and I saw it said one hundred and sixty-two, and it was one of those things where I looked real quick, and I was like, "Oh, the movie's just a little over two hours." And then as I'm watching it, I pause it, and I'm like, "How can there still be an hour left?" And I was like, "Oh, right, it said one hundred and sixty-two." minutes like i read it i don't know if i reversed it in my mind or just forgot how many minutes are in an hour but i could not believe when i paused i was like there's still a fucking hour left in this movie yeah um but two two quick things i want to touch on because we again we already agreed that we enjoyed this sort of foundational setting that you said was sort of pieced together from some of the uh the comic book uh end caps uh from each issue big fan of it um but uh Two things that I, I noticed. One is in the first scene with the comedian where he's like grabbing the guy or he's – no, it's the first night owl. is punching out a guy and it's in like slow motion. I think it's the first shot in the montage. Is he standing in front of uh, Martha and uh, – or the Wayne parents? Is he? Yes, that's supposed to be the reference. That he's, okay. sa- that he's saving a group of well-to-do rich people from a mugging where they would have been killed. He's preventing Batman from happening. Because the Batman poster is behind him, like, in that scene, too. It just seemed odd to me. Um, two, uh, one of the cops is checking out uh, Silk Spectre's ass, undoubtedly, uh, during the photo, the photo, the group photo sequence, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, uh, and uh, I'm also just a huge fan of the, uh, is, it, is it Dollar Bill? Who gets stuck in the door? Yeah, and it gets uh, gunned down. That's such a good image. I, I found it so perfect. Just him, just like caught with the cape and just draped on the ground with the bullet holes and like yeah, the, and he's like it's tape. like it's like hanging up over his back and he's just dead. That yeah. is, and yeah, that's a reference from the the dialogue where Warshak is describing all of the old heroes that he's worried about, and he's like, yeah. you know, Hollis owns the thing. Dollar Bill got his cape stuck in a revolving door and was killed. The Mothman is in a in asylum in Miami, and that's the guy they're they're dragging away, and he's like biting the orderly. Yeah, yeah. He's and then like they talk about the the woman who in the comic they make reference that she was actually asked to leave the whatever they were called. I forget what they were the Minutemen. Yeah, because they found out she was a lesbian, and then she was killed later. But in the comic, she's killed by like an old villain of hers. Yeah, that, that and this be... it's more of like a con, you know. She's killed by what appears to be just people who hate gay people. Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, uh, one thing that did stick out to me that I fucking hate is, for the love of God, movies and any pop culture thing anymore. Last Supper references are boring Ugh, they're so and bad. stupid and useless. What am I supposed to get out of this? Is, is Sally Spectre or whatever, is she supposed to be a, a Christ figure? If no, not, that's the other thing, yeah. That it's pointless. It, and if she's a Christ figure, is her husband, who's behind her, pointing a figure, supposed to be Thomas the fucking Apostle? What do I get out of that? What am I getting? It's yeah, nothing. It is, it is so pointless to trash. even include. And they didn't even do it right because they didn't put the comedian. Like, the comedian should have been where Judas was. Yeah, instead he's in Mary Magdalene's spot. Is that supposed to be, like, a tell that he's related? to fucking... Yeah, it was... I That part... <laughs> I should say this. This movie, I, I did realize this is, I hate Zack Snyder. I did not really realize, like, I've never been, like, a fan. Watching this movie, I was like, I hate this fucking guy. There is so much, this movie could, if you took out all the slow motion, this movie's, and not like, hour and 40 minutes. There is so much needless slow motion in every scene. It's, Look, I, I ah. feel like we have- I feel like I have to compliment something Zack Snyder just, just to just to even the keel of this podcast episode. <laughs> Why? Because I just admitted I hated a human being. Because nah, it is... we're, we're too early for you to come down on the snide. Like it's just, <laughs> it, 
too soon. Um, but yeah, I, I do understand what you mean. There's so much like, there's so much just, just f- like, like the slow-mo, it's, it's flash for flash's sake. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's, and, and it's not just the slow-mo, it's scenes like that where it's like, oh, I, you can tell, you can feel the minute you're watching it that Zack Snyder said, oh, you know what would be neat? Like, that's how a lot of scenes got made. Not because they, like, pl- played to some larger narrative or, like, film motif. It was just Zack Snyder being like, ooh, what if we just, like, showed the bullet leaving the barrel, like, real slow? Like, that'd be pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like, yeah, what if, just... like, what if the the opening ends mm. by a guy throwing a Molotov cocktail into a tv store which then explodes as if the tv store was a nitrogen bomb and then we just go to the movie and you're like wait did that actually happen i don't <laughs> was that was that just like for effect or did that guy really just blow up 80 people with like the world's best uh Molotov cocktail the last thing i wanted to say is i really like the introduction that that montage sequence for besides just visual visual appeal and the good song choice sort of playing with it uh it, and its foundation setting is that i wish more comics would sort of widen the lens the way that this does and like other comics i'm a big fan of like uh the comic marvels and uh more more importantly powers which is where you kind of get the ripple effect in pop culture of superheroes like that the fact that if if spider-man was out there there'd be like blogs about spider-man there'd be people like talking about him all the time there would be like merch like illegal merch being sold in the street and like it would impact movies. It would have an impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. One and, of the things they do in the comic, which is great, is they reference that once superheroes became real, nobody wanted to read superhero comics. And so the yeah. comics that become really popular are pirate comics because nobody can be a pirate, but there are superheroes, so it's not entertaining anymore. Little they know, we still kind of have pirates in a way. So it's true. It's they didn't know uh, about stealing music. Uh <laughs> But but yeah, you get a lot of that with like the bomber painting, uh, the logo, and people naming things after her, and she shows the Tijuana Bible later. Uh, I love that. I love that sort of like uh, uh, yeah, that ripple effect stuff. So that's why I'm a big big fan of. Bible. Can I tell Let's you get... a real quick Tijuana Bible story? You've always oh, you, you, you ask me this every podcast, and the answer is always yes. Uh, when I first started to do a long time ago, I did a web comic with a friend of mine. And uh, a webcomic that Ben eventually ended up writing some for. Hey-o. It was called Hanger Ads. Well, we had a section where we had um, about the, like, the artist. And so he had, like, a thing about him. And mine said that I got my start drawing Tijuana Bibles. And that uh, I spent all the money I made from one about, like, Annie Oakley. And I forget who. I just picked, like, two women from history. And I was like, I spent all my money at a racetrack, and so now I'm homeless or something. It was like a really dumb thing. But we started using analytics for the site, and we got like half of our views from like non people, like from searches for people searching for Tijuana Bibles. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this is both gross and hilarious that I put this in as a joke because I was like, nobody knows what a Tijuana Bible is. Like, I well, literally only know what they are because of Watchmen, which I read when I was you know like a freshman in high school little did you know you underestimated the gross people of the world and though they 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 had a viewing of at least three pages on the site so they were hoping that i had posted one somewhere like maybe it's 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 a few issues back I yeah mean, like i'm gonna keep i'm not finding it but i'm gonna keep reading because the evolution of these characters is getting pretty good <laughs> It was just, I, uh, that always made me laugh that I was like, I can't believe that many people, because it was like continuous. It was like three or four people a week would come to the site. I'm like, how are there that many people looking for Tijuana Bibles? But how about that Watchmen? So, Pokes, before we jump, you know, into, into scenes that we have a problem with and or like, I want to do a quick rundown at the top here uh, uh, of just what you thought about the adaptations of a particular character. And I'm just going to use IMDb's order here. Um, Malin Ackerman as Silk Spectre 2. Um, she's fine. Okay. She kind of looks like she, I, I will say, I think she looks the most like her, like, I th- I think they found an actress who looks a lot like the drawing of her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty but good. But I, I, I had a problem match. with every actor in this movie, which is one of my notes says, it feels like everybody is both simultaneously mailing it in and chewing the scenery. Yeah. Like, there's, there's and she moments. is, she is a prime example of somebody who feels like, 
from scene to scene, she's just all over the place. She's either, like, not trying at all or, like, so over the top that you're like, I don't like this. So... I found her... Yeah, actually, I think I might have to, to, uh, to, to differ on that. I found her pretty consistent. I found her uh, to be sort of maybe, like, the character that the audience might, like, latch on to because they're, they're almost the most normal, in a way. The audience uh, surrogate, if you will. Yeah, the audience surrogate. I feel like that that that, that is pretty applicable here. But uh, Dr. Manhattan, played by a Billy Crudup. Uh, fine. I mean, you know... I thought he was pretty good, I guess. Uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm a bit of a... I'm not saying that his performance is... I think he does a good, like, monotone. Unique. Yeah, but his delivery of emotionless lines that aren't done horribly... That's really hard to say, like, hey, you're going to be an actor, but don't act as much, though. Like, that's super hard. I thought he did uh, a great job during the um, the scene from the... Like, where he's, like, doing the the fact he sees all time at once so he's like you know it's 1955 and i'm talking mm-hmm. to blah blah i thought he did that scene pretty well i thought that was a yeah cool... that's probably why i give him so much credit is because throughout this whole movie that scene might be my favorite of the entire film like i could watch just that just a clip of him to talking about his origins and like you know wally getting cancer and and losing uh you know losing his uh uh janie and all that stuff I could watch that. Like I'm just that monologue that they adapt yeah, I... from the monologue, which they which they also cut up, but not in a way I think fails it. You know what I mean? No, they I cut they it... cut out just because in the comic it is it's very not. repetitive, and I mean it's an entire issue. Yeah, there's a whole issue which is just him doing a flashback of everything he did, so it's kind of weird. Uh, Matthew Good as Adrian Veidt or uh, Ozzy Ozymandias. I think he's the worst. And that could just be because that's not at all what I pictured uh, Ozymandias to be. But he just kind of, to me, he comes off very whiny. Like, he doesn't, I don't know. Okay. He doesn't seem like the world's smartest man to me. He just seems like kind of like a baby. Uh, I, I, I could maybe see that read. Once again, I don't have a ton of problem with most of the cast, uh, except with a couple of <laughs> omissions. Um, Rorschach, played by Jackie Earl Haley. I thought he did good enough. I think the hard thing is the stupid voice he does. The Batman I have, voice. Really? I have no problem with his voice. I, I don't think that... Right I just me. think that uh, it's very jarring. Uh, not jarring, but it's, like, odd. Because, like, he has, like, a normal voice something Like, during the... Uh, I don't know. He's. I think he's good. I, I don't think there... I think you'd have to be hard-pressed to find somebody who would have done a better job. I think... Yeah, I think he's 100% one of the best castings in this movie and he's probably my 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 like my star shining for this movie like i find his performances in every scene he's in to be magnificent i know it's not blowing anyone up because i think he's um universally praised for his role in this movie regardless of people's you know feelings on the whole film uh but fucking his death scene his scene uh his his monologues him screaming as his mask is being pulled off is like exactly how i pictured it from the comic when he's just barking and, and, and yeah. screaming to get back his I will face. say, there's, there, there's one thing I, I don't like, is the change they make to his origin of why he goes insane. But that's... See, <coughs> see yeah, well, I want to talk about that in a minute, but yeah, I had a real, I had a real problem with, with his, his origin chain, along with a couple other scenes. But let's get the last, last uh, two in here. Uh, old Jeffrey Dean Morgan, our friend from The Walking Dead, uh, playing the comedian. I thought he was good. I feel like he fits the image right. I feel like he's... He looks like him, but I don't know if it was exactly how I pictured him. I think the same thing, and I think it's less his fault and more the script, but I think both the comedian and Rorschach are softened in the movie to be more relatable, maybe? And I, I found that problematic. That. Yeah, like I can the, see that. Like, he's a... The comedian's a real fucking piece of shit in the comics. Like, he has many scenes where he is, you know, doing some fucking garbage... And he's really sharp about it. Whereas, like, for instance, when he murders the woman uh, that is pregnant in the Vietnam scene, like, he's a, he's he's like a savage in the, in the book. Like, he's like screaming, and like just and, and it doesn't hesitate. And this one, he's sort of like, ah, it's all like a joke. Like, he has like a whole like Joker speech about it, and I found it really. And it's the same yeah. dialogue eventually, but we just snap to it, and it makes it feel like he's like 
they're trying to convince him I, of his angle. They put and, in uh, too much of him saying it's all a joke, which he does not say that often in the comic. <laughs> yeah. It's like every time they cut to him, he's like, it's all a joke. It's like, what is all a joke? I don't know. These are all different circumstances. This is not one thing. Yeah, the best reference to what the joke he's talking about is is done not by him, but by Ozymandias at the end when he references the fact that he's pulling the ultimate prank in the way that comedian would understand uh, that is what's supposed to make you kind of understand his angle. But yeah, there's so many of his lines that when you just cut all the preceding dialogue and just take the good sound bite out of it, like he, he shoots people with gas canisters and like, this is the American dream. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, it's like the way it's done, it's just like that. Uh, and that like is getting something... shot with a gas canister while you're graffitiing is the American... I don't understand. Yeah, because in the comic, he actually says... He's got a whole like, speech. He's like, what happened to it? And he, he says, this is the American... But he's just standing there talking to the night out, and then he starts chasing after these people who are spray painting. And it's like, he's like, it, it, the American dream is supposed to be like, this is it. It's like, you know, it's all... It was never going to work or whatever, but... It's interesting the way they change it does make it seem like you're like, I don't understand what he means by this is the American dream. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, finally, uh, Patrick Wilson, uh, playing the Night Owl. Uh, he's the one I have the biggest problem with. Yeah, I think I might be with you there. I think he looks right. Here's, um, here was one of my biggest complaints about this movie. Okay. And it centers mostly on him, of all of them. <laughs> all right. Especially Get because it. they did not cut this line out, which I thought was, like, so absurd. I, okay, can, sorry, real quick. Can we do a rundown of lines that they kept that they maybe shouldn't have because i have a few <laughs> we can't <laughs> just a second let me um there we see this man unfortunately we see him shirtless and naked a lot like almost as much as dr manhattan a character who doesn't wear clothes you see this guy who is mostly wearing clothes in the comic naked a lot he's in what i would call good shape he, he's still muscular he's not fat He's not even like he's maybe a little pudgy at best. At one point, uh, Warshak refers to him as the flabby quitter, but you're like that dude is in better shape than most people I know. Like <laughs> most that watching this th- movie right now. Yeah, that guy definitely goes to the gym at least three times a week. He cannot be a flabby quitter, and in the comic, he looks like an old middle aged dad. He has like a paunch. He's fat. He's let himself go. He doesn't, like, he kind of admits that he doesn't exercise and stuff. So it's like they cast a dude, and they're like, well, he needs to be ripped because we're going to show his ass a lot. So he's got to have a really nice ass because it's going to be in the movie for some reason six times. By the way, too much. Like, there's one scene that I need it, which is when my favorite, one of my favorite Watchmen scenes is him, is, 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 uh, is Dan Dryberg standing in his old hideout after... Uh, a failed sexual encounter with Silk Spectre, and he's just nude, wearing his goggles and staring at his old costume. I love that scene. It's such a poignant scene because it's like if you just zoom in on Batman, like eating an old lean cuisine, <laughs> like because yeah. it's like it's late in the evening and Alfred's gone to bed, and it felt so fucking like. Of course, there's moments like that where you're, you're sitting around your suit, your cool gadgets are nearby, but you're just kind of cold and tired. <laughs> you're just like looking at your yeah. You're like costume. he's like forlornly <laughs> looking at and being like, I remember the way it was, and, it, and, and like the fact that <laughs> he's naked adds something to it. In the movie, though, again, it's like <laughs> he, it's just like a loving shot of this man's ass, which you know, good for him for having a decent ass. But it was just that to me was like you can't leave in the line, flappy quitter, and then have him look like jacked and like it's like it doesn't work he doesn't look like yeah. he quit it just looked like he quit going out for crime like you know uh, it's just very weird and also another, i just found his performance kind of odd another line i don't need is um <laughs> when when rorschach shows up at uh at, at the night owl's apartment and tosses him the um the comedian's button with the blood on it and 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 this is drawn straight from the book they didn't need to because it's such a weird weird lie to hear said out loud by humans is oh what's on this bean juice and he laughs and says yeah human bean juice it's it's not good folks <laughs> it doesn't come out right at all it is it is definitely a line that like when you're reading the comic you're like oh this guy like it's i think supposed to like be like he's got like a real lenny briscoe cavalier attitude <laughs> sure, towards sure, sure, death sure, like sure. he's yeah. making a pun in real life, when a person says it, you're like, 
this this sounds fucking stupid. I gotta say, some of his dialogue, Warshak's dialogue, sounds great when you read it. When it is said out loud, it sounds like uh, like a high school kid, like an emo kid. And you're like, I don't like this. I don't like hearing it out loud. Well, let's just fucking get into it then, because it's, it's right in front of us right now. Rorschach is a character that you should find interesting and not like. <laughs> like, let's be clear about that. It's... It's so weird because he's often pulled out as like the favorite from the movie, both because he he is like this like Punisher Batman mix. So I get at a surface level why you think that was neat, but also he also does these scenes where he you know he has the scene in the in the prison where he gets the really great line of you know I'm not locked in with you, you're locked in here with me, all this stuff. Um, but he is he is a broken Batman, like he is Batman who has lost it. And he's he's not just going after like corrupt gang like mob people. He is just slaughtering people at his own agenda. Like, and it's not the agenda where it's like you committed a mortal crime, so thus I will murder you. It's that if you are a if you have committed crimes of any magnitude, I will assault and murder you. If, yeah, like it's best if that if you it, just don't break me. any laws while you're around him. Just and he's also morally like kind of a weird, like a uh, uh, pretty backwards like libertarian kind oh, of. Oh, in the comic, he's a straight up like as like basic almost neo Nazi. Like, like the the newspaper he reads, the yeah. New Frontiersman, is very much supposed to be like a ultra conservative like. The liberals control everything. The reason America's in the, the shape it's in is because, you know, liberals let the communist in. And, and, like, so he's supposed to be, like, really in that area. And so it's, it is it, odd the way people are like, he's great. It's like, is he? <laughs> it's, uh, it is literally, it is literally, like, maybe his fourth line in the film where he rants about liberals, uh, like, right away. Uh, 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 not long after... Yeah, I was trying to find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it almost instantly in, when the film starts, and not long after, he rants about um, he rants about prostitutes. He rants about sexual promiscuity. He refers to uh, his his murdered compatriot from the previous Watchmen as being inde- sexually murdered for their sexual indecency. He rants about welfare in the comic. Yeah, lot. yeah. In he the rants comic. about immigrants a lot. Like, yeah, he ap- fucking clear. He appears to be anti-gay people, anti non-white people anti-immigrant i mean he just is like anti-most people and i think that's supposed to sort of play on the fact that it's like yeah if you were this kind of person you're not going to be well adjusted like batman is like if you're not the guy who's like i'm going to go fight crime every night and beat the shit out of people and be like i'm not going to have any prejudices you know what i mean like you do that because you're already fucked up something's wrong with you from jump and it's not coming back he's a poor working class batman who also has none of the support or cushion that comes with being a billionaire. And so some of that comes out in this weird, backwards, like, racist, sexist, like, hyper-misogynistic uh, Oh, yeah, he is not a fan of the female superheroes. But my point here is not that I'm deriding his character, but he should be very interesting to study because he is, like, this character, like this Batman, this vigilante, who you'd be a real, realistic vigilante, someone who probably believes conspiracy theories, someone who someone who's convinced that there's like a moral degrade that they have to patch it's this is the kind of person that would become a street roaming vigilante well and one of the things that it's want yeah one of the things too is they're supposed to be implying is that like he didn't he wasn't like this it's like 10 years ago yeah he was like before before the keen act he was just a guy trying to which is like sort of weird when they show his backstory because you're like wouldn't he have always grown up to be fucked up but like he sort of has this thing where he talks about the reason he becomes Warshak and when he originally does it because he wants to help people because they tie it into the uh, a real life crime that actually happened where you know it was reported a woman was raped and attacked outside of an apartment complex for yeah. like several hours and no one called the police. Yeah, and, everyone uh, sort of heard and knew about it but nobody did anything, yeah. And so they kind of tie that in and it, it's supposed to be she bought this dress which is the material that he uses to make his mask and uh so he decides to become a superhero and try to fight uh crime and then it's supposed to be that 
he's fighting like the Batman fight where he's bringing criminals in, he's arresting them, he's beating them up, but he's keeping them alive. And then he deals with a case and it's kind of, uh, I think something that Alan Moore kind of like harkens back to in the killing joke, which is the idea that like, sometimes something happens and it pushes you and, and Batman's just lucky that it only pushed him as far as it did. Like he's insane. Like, which is like kind of the point of the killing joke is Batman is as insane as the Joker. It's just the Joker happens to be evil too. Like Batman is insane, but like in a good way, because he wants to save people. The Joker is insane, but he doesn't care about anybody. So it's like, that's sort of the dichotomy. And I think that's kind of what he's doing here is the story of Warshak where he finds this girl and she's been butchered and then fed to dogs and he loses it because she was this little kid. And so he decides to take revenge on the guy who did it. Yeah. Not to mention that the book also, um, doesn't confirm that fact. You know, the book gives you all the clues that Rorschach finds human bones, um, what appears to be the fabric of, of like a child's, uh, underwear or pajamas or something. And, uh, like a, like a, like an area where, where, where with like a meat cleaver and like a butcher, butcher area, no blood, no body, no, no evidence. No over the top, uh, bone that still has the kid's shoe on it. Like in the movie. Yeah. yeah, No lead. Yeah. None of that. And, and and then when he finds the guy, the guy immediately starts begging for his life as any person would. And Rorschach murders him. But Uh, Rorschach does it in a much, this is something that I didn't, I don't know why this bothered me when I saw the movie. No, I, I, it it bothered me a second time too. I know what you're going to say. They change it to Warshak gets really mad and like in in a fit of anger kills this guy. But I it's mean, like, like repeatedly chops his skull in steady shots that don't cut away and I don't know why. Yeah, that is also upsetting. But the thing that gets me is like in that moment you're like, "Ah, oh, he's just reacting to this guy admitting because in the movie the guy admits he did it he's like i need help i need help arrest the guy literally says i murdered the girl i'm guilty he says the words i'm guilty as if any criminal has ever done that in any scenario like yeah and he said and he keeps saying that he needs help like he's like oh I, i need help like he knows something's wrong with him and you're like oh okay but in the movie then it's like he it's like warshak's like no i i he needs to be punished and he has like a moment where you're like that's just like a crime of passion like that doesn't mean he's insane in the comic, he's waiting for the guy to come back. He throws his do- his dead dogs on top of him, and the guy can't crawl away. And then he takes the guy and drags him and chains him up to the furnace like he does in the movie. But in the comic, he then throws a hacksaw at him, and he won't say – he's not talking at all. And when he finally does talk, they make reference that before uh, this case and before the Keenak, Warshak sounds normal when he's Warshak. He just sounds like his ordinary voice. His – word balloon is the normal balloon but this time when he talks he has the weird voice he's doing and it's like that's the moment he snapped and so he throws it and he starts pouring gasoline everywhere and he tells the guy he'll never be able to cut through the chain there's only one way he's getting out and then he lights the building on fire and then stands there and watches the guy burn to death and it's like that to me gets across the point better which is like that's a premeditated horrible way to kill somebody the other way is just a man who loses it for you know, like, you're like, I don't know, would he necessarily stay insane? He couldn't the next day regret what he did. This dude is like, I'm going to make sure this guy suffers. He's not just, yeah, gonna, I'm not just going to kill him. It's going to be a painful, terrible death. Comic in, in comic Rorschach experiences a logic shift. His, his plan on how he deals with crime is set one way. Don't murder, but take it to the limit to get what you need to get done. And it shifts. It's like it's, he moves it. He he widens what what parameters are allowable for his for his mission. And the other one, yeah, he's just he gets very upset and and slaughters someone with brutal strikes. And then and then yeah, someone who's irrevocably guilty, like someone very certainly guilty. Uh, it's an odd way to sort of readapt that scene and take away some of what makes it important. And also the fact that in the comic, the guy never does admit he did it. He's just like, what do you, he's like, what oh, do you exactly, want, man? Yeah. He never says, I killed her. He's but, just well, like, you don't have any it. proof. And so you're like, yeah, you think he did it, but at the same time, you're like, did he just kill a dude who lived in this building? Like, the, and somebody else came in and like, maybe he has a friend who's a serial killer or something. You know what I mean? Where you're like, did he just exactly. kill a dude who might not have had anything to do with this? If cops worked off finding, like, a suspicious, like, object and, like, maybe, like, a bone, then there would be a lot of dead people who didn't need to be dead. Like, 
like, uh, uh, and that's currently a problem. But, but like, <laughs> that's yeah, that's on a different level though. They have no evidence at all for those people. But, but what I'm talking about is that yeah, exactly. Like in the comic, when you read that, you make these very possible logical leaps to agree that this man is a guilty child murderer, uh, potentially more, which is even more horrifying. But you, in doing so in that you agree with that, you enter the space of Rorschach while he's doing this mean act. Like You agree with it in the moment because you are making the same logical leap. You're in the same headspace a little bit in the comic. And in the movie, that movie takes away the need for you to think too hard and says, oh, why does the guilty man just say, please murder me? And then we can all agree that this man should be murdered. It's it's annoying. I found it really annoying when I watched it instantly, and I found it really annoying watching it again uh, this time around. Um, so, uh, post just so we can segue into the, my next segment, which uh, will take about four seconds, where I just say, ban old person makeup. Don't do young people as old people makeup. Just this this is don't. one of the two things when they show quote unquote old Silk Spectre, you're like that is a woman in bad age makeup but what is more egregious than that is this movie has what has to be the worst celebrity impersonators in the history of film the guy who plays nixon is like i, I don't understand man nixon is a very easy to character person oh my god it's and he so... is ter- he's just basically a giant nose and the guy who's <sighs> supposed to be henry kissinger is terrible the guy who is jfk the guy who's jfk was the only one who was reasonable but that like, one was all okay. The celebrity yeah, the, people are terrible. The Nixon is doing a t- like a dollar store Nixon. It's it's rough. It's as but if he's like, only seen a person do a bad Nixon and thinks but, that's how Nixon sounded. <laughs> nothing is worse than the original Sally Jupiter. Oh, it's it's just get an old lady. It's fine if you show her in a house full of mementos of being Sally Jupiter, and her daughter shows up. We'll get it. You don't need to, to just drape this four, poor fucking woman in like 13 pounds of prosthetics that will which, still just look right through it. It's yeah, obvious. She, she just looks like oh, a 40 year old woman with really dry skin. It's like she doesn't look old. She just stupid. looks like. And it's like, yeah, and they don't. I don't know. It, that whole scene is. I think she is when I wrote down the, the thing about everybody feels like they're mailing it in and overacting because she's like overacting. But oh, not God. trying while she's doing it. When she's like, ugh, the past just gets brighter. It's like, why are you talking like you're in an old 1930s movie? Nobody pauses like that when they speak. It's another of those moments where when they truncate out sound bites, they sound so jarring without the pre- like preceding sort of like buildup. As if they're just pulling the good lines out. Like it feels like almost like a quote machine at these. And there's times like where this is exactly what's happening. This is like the bad editing that I don't like. And maybe it's better in the like the two hundred and sixteen minute. I don't version. think. I, I think it's but, that is her delivery of that line, yeah. which is what's so bad. It's just the way she says it. You're like, why? She sounds like she's delivering a line. Like it doesn't sound like she's having a natural conversation. It sounds like what, she's reading something somebody wrote for her to say. What I couldn't believe was that forty five minutes in, we're still at about forty five minutes. We're still sort of reliving the comedian's backstory, which again, I know is like shot for shot from the book, but. As a movie watcher who's not doesn't know the structure of the book, I mean that must have felt annoying. Like, because we're forty five minutes in, and in those forty five minutes, we haven't talked about the murder of the comedian, which seems to be what this whole movie's at least introductory, like the first act is about, is the comedian's death. Um, so much so that you would think that he is the premise of the movie. Like the movie yeah. is who killed the comedian. That's not the plot of the movie at all. No, it isn't. And so we're like 45 minutes in and we're like watching this sequence of him just like shooting at people in riots and the, you know, the Vietnam sequence. And loving and like, it. And digging the hell out of it and then sort of meeting. Uh, yeah, it just seems. It also I, introduces I, the, the first of the many extremely creepy sex scenes. And I feel like Zack Snyder took this movie just so he could direct the Canadian or the comedian rape scene. Because that goes on for like, I'm like, I don't I don't think this needed to be as long as it is. It's very upsetting. And I guess you want to make, paint him as a creep, but I don't know if he needed to, you know what I mean? It's just, the, every sex scene in this movie just makes me think that Zack Snyder is a huge pervert. Well, that, that one I think is the, the least offensive contender. So let's get to the, uh, the big contender. Well, he adds is... uh, way more of the comedian beating Sally Jupiter. He adds like three more hits to her. 
in the comic he like backhands her and then knees her and then pushes her over in this he punches her like six or seven times i was like i'm not i don't like this like why did he he didn't need to make it worse yeah you don't need to amp up a rape sequence yeah i was like i was like it's bad enough he hit her once that's enough for me i you know i don't need to see it nine more times to be like now i think he's a bad guy i was okay with it when it was twice you know it's just like ooh. it's the problem of action or flash or whatever or sex for like for like the fate for just the flash of it is the point wasn't to marinate in a rape sequence the point was to understand the the absolute horrific flaws of the character uh, so you understood the context for how Sally felt about him, the very complicated feelings that she had for them. It was important to understand that the event occurred, but we're not, we don't need to sit down and see it happen. <laughs> That's not the point. Yeah. You know, it did not it, need to be that long, which is my complaint with all of the sex scenes. There's so in a movie that has so much going on. Each one of those scenes did not need to be three to four minutes on their own. Right, and I don't want to confuse the rape scene with sex scenes. They are no, no, different. those are obviously different. But I mean, those felt like scenes that were like he drew out for no reason. And, and like speaking, while watching, I was like, "Why is this scene so long?" And so let's get right fucking to it and stop sucking around it. Hallelujah, Pogues. Uh, first of all, Hallelujah. when Ben said there's some bad music cues, none is worse than them using the original version of the song Hallelujah, which most people are probably more familiar with the Jeff Buckley version or the version from the end of Shrek uh this one is very don't you tie shrek to this weird sex scene this scene is both one like in practice like the way they're having sex you're like their genitals could not line up uh but two it's very like it is if they had shown him actually putting his penis in her is the only way it could have been closer to porn it is so pornographic and it's like not cool it's just like i don't know i felt gross watching it like I felt like I was like I was like uh I feel like a dirty person for sitting through this and I'm not enjoying it I'm very upset by it and again another uh, glory shot of this dude's ass I don't know what was going couple, on there a couple and let me just be very clear uh, 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 uh Zack Snyder I didn't need to see what what Patrick Wilson's thrust rhythm is oh I yeah there is a very upsetting scene where he is on top I don't need it my man like like I, I'm, I actually paid to it right right now to myself in the comic and it is i already we already established this one page mostly in narrow panels and mostly an, a wide shot of them setting off the flamethrower that's it it's like and three it's, panels are dedicated to the flamethrower bit it's mo- it's meant to give you a a peek at what's happening without being explicit which you should but you should learn more about Zack Snyder. Fucking raining in. This scene pissed me so pissed me off so much in the theaters and still to this day infuriates me because not only is it like holding steady camera angles on what as Post described accurately, deeply upsetting pornographic sex, but this soundtrack, it might as well just be held with by like Zack Snyder might as well just have a Bluetooth speaker and be standing right in my ear, just pressing the speaker against my earlobe and being like, "Huh?" Like it's so deeply invasive of a song choice. It is, yeah. It's just very. It's just not good, and it feels like I almost am like I think they made this song longer than it actually is. <laughs> like while I'm watching, I'm like, this song ended four seconds ago, or like twenty seconds ago. How is it still going? Yeah, there's also also some weird just scene choices that came popped into my head too. At one point, okay, so I want to establish this. I am a 100% fan that that they decided to get the bold way of giving Dr. Manhattan scenes where he is just straight nude and they don't play away from it. I think that's huge. And I'm glad there aren't too many because that would be ultimately distracting, but there's only a couple and then I don't think they're distracting. But um, I'm glad that they got in there because you know that there was a boardroom where Zack Snyder or someone on the film was approached and be like, hey, what if we just did no dong? And then he fought, somebody fought for more dong in the movie, which I'm like, fucking yes. I, I believe but, this movie had a hard time. They actually, I think, had to cut out a couple of scenes because they were like, all right, you can show a, a flaccid penis. But they were like, this is too long and we're going to have to give you an NC-17 rating. And that sucks, but which may have been for the fucking porn scene with that night owl and the Silk Spectre, for all I know, yeah. they just tried to play it off as being Doctor Manhattan's wang. But um, 
there's a scene where he is on Mars and which by the way the Mars stuff all felt so disjointed in this because we are moving so fast at this point we're just yeah. like kind of on Mars and we're gonna have a couple quick monologues and then we'll be back on Earth it felt very weird I mean that's not at all too far from what happens in the comic but it did feel just jarring anyway but the scene that really was jarring for me is <laughs> as he finishes his his glass palace or whatever they they have like the camera is fixed on the palace and then we zoom out from under dr manhattan's taint and then we go backwards and we like it was almost as if like, it's all cgi but it was as if they had a camera on a drone and the drone flew under billy crudup's spread butt cheeks and then flew backwards and i was like for a minute there you're just like the the scene is if you pause it at a pertinent time if i didn't do this but you could is frozen with like an arch of his ass with just like the taint in full display that's not needed and somebody had to work on that right like somebody had to somebody had to build that scene in a computer for like a, like a number of weeks yeah there there's definitely some like rough uh editing it's so weird i had to rewind i'm like did that just happen did we just like i do not remember the scene but again this is a movie i was watching while i was drawing so i might have missed some stuff I just wrote down taint zoom because I couldn't believe it. <laughs> like I couldn't believe I had just seen it happen in kind of slower pan than than. What That's was a note. I hope needed. your wife finds uh, yeah. without context. Me too. Um. The. So, sorry, I was just like noticing weird notes that I left for myself. Like did, I, I pause it, take a look uh, in the third act with what uh, what Ozymandias is watching on his screens. Did you did you take a look at those? Uh, no, I I did not. He's watching a lot of movies, including very clearly uh, Mad Max. Uh, like the uh, sorry, uh, the Road Warrior, the second one. Oh, very uh, nice. Just, good taste, I guess. But it's very like I was I paused it and I'm like, is the premise here that he's consuming like all these things at once? Because it's kind of cool that he's watching nine movies and also I, I the news. <laughs> I would say that this is probably what it was. They were like, we need to fill these tv screens with something and we're not gonna spend half a million dollars on b-roll and warner brothers was like we own movies so <laughs> and that was it they're just like all right what warner brothers movie can we put on in the background post can i can i piss you off a little bit sure you are you do. aware that Zack snyder worked in two references to his other movie uh hit at the time 300 into this movie no, I did not know that. It's both written on a coffee cup, the letters, or the number 300. That's the uh, and And secondarily, when the explosion's going off in New York City, and like the, the psychiatrist who was previously interviewing uh, Rorschach mm-hmm. um, sort of like sees the explosion, and it's like his, his briefcase flies open. Mm-hmm. Um, in a pause there, you see like the code on his uh, briefcase. It's, it's 300. Isn't that cool? Isn't that, isn't that a fun, cool... He is Easter like egg. literally the worst person. <laughs> I renew my previous statement. I hate Zack Snyder. <laughs> yeah, I found that really. I found that really fun. I was mad that IMDb told me that when I was watching it on Amazon. I was like, "Don't, don't tell me that." I, I could have known. I could have been happier not knowing it. And now I've infected your brain with it too. Ah, that is very upsetting. Um, so can so, we talk so, about one of my favorite scenes real quick? Yes, absolutely. And, and this happens in the comic to a degree, but it's less bad in the comic. Um, Night Owl and Warshak break into Ozymandias' office because they're trying to figure out what pyramid moving is, like how it all fits in together. And he has a, a like a 1984 computer on his desk and it wants a password. And in the comic, Night Owl just guesses the password because he knows that Ozymandias is like obsessed with egypt and all this stuff so he guesses the password as ramesses and then guesses ramesses the second in the movie he guesses it because the world's smartest man made his goddamn password the name of a book on his desk like how fucking he like looks over and it's just written on a book just says ramesses the second like you've got to be kidding me this is so dumb i've got i've got bad news for you folks if you wanted to hack into my computer you could do it because 
my uh, there's a book on my desk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons player guide. What do you know? Password to all my stuff is Dungeons and Dragons player guide. I will see that. I hate to admit. You know, I got to admit, I have a book that's uh, capital A, lowercase c, six, seven, four, exclamation point, tilde, dollar sign. And that is all my passwords. So I guess maybe I'm as guilty as everyone else. <laughs> it uh, was, I, I yeah, I, that scene, I was just like, you have got to, like, because I forgot that was in the comic. And I, I, I reread the comic after watching the movie. And I was like, ugh, I was like, at least it's slightly less dumb. But I'm like, that's really dumb. The world's smartest man, and he know like he didn't think to make his password not a word. But like even uh, in the '80s, that's fucking stupid. But speaking of Ozymandias edits, I think this is a, this is an interesting thing. I, I've had this argument with a few other comic book fans, and I've gotten a lot of pushback on it. But I do feel that Zack Snyder's choice to make the ending not an alien, but instead the explosion of Doctor Manhattan's engines that he's been building to solve the fuel crisis is a better ending. I, I much prefer the ending of the movie. That is, that is one of the few changes that I was like, ooh, I do it, like this. Because it tie, not only is it a cleaner, more straightforward ending that doesn't require you to suddenly go, yes, aliens, but it also ties into the fact that through much of the book, we're constantly talking about the fuel crisis and that Dr. Manhattan and, 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 and Ozymandias are working to fix it, which just gives you precedent to say that they've built a reactor that could then explode using uh, using Dr. Manhattan's own sort of energies that he's you know composed of that appear to have be you know him attacking the planet especially after like the other things that Ozymandias does it it, it makes perfect sense it's well, it's also like i'm sorry is interesting as the the squid idea alien. of like the squid alien and like Ozymandias getting all these writers and artists together to create like um, these psychic visions that'll go out and hit the people who don't die in the blast and they'll have like they'll be able to see like these horrible visions it's supposed to be like this monster from another it's like it's so ridiculous and I get that that in the comic that's sort of the point is that like it's like the most ridiculous you know it's like one of those things it's like you know you get people to believe a lie by making it as big as possible yeah but it's just like you're like i don't like it because it's just like eventually somebody is gonna know what happened like he missed one person you know somebody wrote a letter home that they weren't supposed to it would be like i'm helping ozymandias build a gigantic squid monster you know what i mean it's just like i don't like that i like this one because it's like he just has to kill a very small group of people and that's it and he's framed a man like he's created you know the villain and he knows that Dr. Manhattan would see what he did and agree to not do any, like, to not be like, I'm going to get revenge for what you did. That he would be like, oh, you're right, this is the way to stop it. But they also cut out something from the ending of the comic in the movie, which bummed me out. Uh, there is there is a scene at the very end where, thankfully, they cut out the extra scene in which it's implied that Silk Spectre and Night Owl have sex again. Um, which I'm surprised that's got to be in the extended cut. I'm sure Snyder spends another 10 minutes on that. But uh, at the end of the comic, uh, Ozymandias is like, you know, John, I, I did the right thing, right? You know, like, the, I, I had to, you know, I had to make peace. I, I, I had to make the world safe. And Dr. Manhattan's just like, nothing lasts forever and then disappears. And so it's like, sort of like you, you get the realization that he's like telling Ozymandias that it's like, no, it didn't work. It worked now. But in 10 years, they're just going to go back to trying to kill each other. Yeah, and it, and it makes sense. You know, your plan was clever, and it succeeded at, at a very a very common idea of you know, the enemy of my enemy. But it can't be a forever solution. Yeah, and that's I, I always like that idea because it adds yeah. this sort of like, you know, you get like this world's smartest man created like this ultimate plan. And he's like, you are aware that it's not going to actually work, right? In like six but they, months, they it's going to go back. Line, they pass that line to a non-omnipotent character in Silk Spectre this time in the movie, which is a weird move. Yeah, there's a couple of like weird changes they give other people, different people's lines. Like For some reason, they make it... Uh, in the comic, it's Warshak who goes and has the conversation with Ozymandias telling him that somebody's knocking off superheroes. And some of that dialogue doesn't make sense for Night Owl to be giving it to him. Yeah. And it's like, why wasn't it just Warshak? There's like no reason for it not to be Warshak. I guess they just needed to have those two interact because otherwise they don't interact till like the end of the movie. 
and if it's possible, which I, which I suppose I understand. Um, but Pokes, this movie, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, I had problems with it, but at some point, as we reach the end, Zack Snyder says, well, I gave you a pretty good finale. Um, again, I'm a huge fan of the sequence of uh, Rorschach uh, screaming, uh, do it. It's such a good little scene. The fight between Ozymandias and the uh, and, you know and and Night Owl and Rorschach is definitely certainly more than the, the book, but I don't I don't mind it. You know, I am watching a movie. I am watching a superhero movie. If you want to pump a little more fight scene into it, especially it's kind of one that I like a little bit, um, I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, but the 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 point I'm getting at is at the very very end, just when you think you're gonna get out. <laughs> With good feelings, Zack Snyder said, "Hey, you know how my movie is kind of like a shitty adaptation of a very good piece of uh, of work. What if I ended it with a My Chemical Romance cover of a Bob Dylan song?" <laughs> I when the song started, I was like, "You have got to be," because I must have blocked this out when I was. <laughs> I was like, "Why would you have done this?" Like the whole it's... movie uses songs from the era, and then you pick. A modern song and by a band. I, I get. I know people love them, but I'm like, it didn't fit at all. Like, no, it didn't like fit a band at all. that sounds like an '80s band or something. It didn't fit at all. It was so jarring, and it, it, it's weird to get that like that shook out of your seat in the fucking credit sequence. It all yeah. it reminded me of was that absolute garbage ending to the Matrix where it just starts playing that like, and he's like flies in the sky. Or oh yeah, that's all I thought of when I was watching that scene. It was like it oh, reminded me more of the ending now. of uh, Spider Man Three where it plays uh, that dashboard confessional song. Oh god, yeah, it goes right yeah. into like super emo, and you're just like, I don't like this oh, at god. all. Now, now I just realized, you just remind me you have to do Spider Man Three. You piece of shit. Ah, uh, you know you want to watch that dance scene. Well, um, I think I'm. Uh, I have expended all my uh, Watchmen rage. Uh, Pose, do you have any left in the tank? Uh, no, there was uh, only thing else. I was just looking at my notes. Was uh, I? I do love a gang that sends ten people to mug two people. That's not a great return on investment when the, that Asian gang goes to mug uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre when they're walking over to Hollis's. And then they just kill everyone in the gang. I'm like, what the fuck? Because, like, you get the impression that um, Warshak is supposed to be, like, him and the comedian are oddities in that they kill people. Like, all the other superheroes just beat people up and take them in. But these two straight up murder several of these gang members. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It was very jarring. That, and I do love the scene where the prostitute tries to proposition Warshak. Because I'm like, that is a ballsy prostitute to try to proposition a man wearing that mask and puff. <laughs> like, you gotta be, you're you're dedicated to your art if you're going after that guy. Uh, I want to say also, as, as, as a final note, um, uh, I am actually looking at my, my desk right now, and I do in fact have a Rorschach mask that I commissioned from a uh, Halloween, or from like a, a mask maker in like, I think it was in Mexico, uh, who usually makes luchador masks, and I'm extremely proud of it, uh, despite the character's questionable morals in the general sense. So there we go. If you guys were wondering which one of us is the creepy one, it's Ben. It's me. It's uh, me. With that, I think I'm all tapped, folks. Uh, I was, uh, I, I was, I was very surprised that we have remarkably uh, lined up opinions on this movie. I will say this, as always, I'm I'm overly harsh sometimes on these for comedy effect. I did like this movie, and it, made, it immediately made me want to go reread Watchmen, which, if you have not read it, I highly recommend it. It is a, a yeah. just a masterpiece of... I, I was cranky, at, obviously, at certain scenes that I brought up, but overall, I watched this thing from front to back, and I wasn't necessarily upset about it. No, you know? no. The only thing I was upset about is I know I own this movie on DVD, and I could not find it, so I had to pay to rent it off of Amazon. <laughs> I actually rented it, and then I couldn't finish it because I was busy, and then I got too distracted, and I had to re-rent it, so we had the same problem. What's great is, while looking for it, I did find my version of the Black Freighter cartoon they made, though. I did buy that, so I was like, I can find that. I can't find the actual movie, though, so... 
Well, we'll cover that in a different episode. That's but right. For this one, thank you for tuning in for a slightly longer uh, uh, episode covering the very long Watchmen film. We'll call this one the director's cut of the. This Watchmen isn't even episode. as long as they have been. We've we've done definitely longer than this. We, if we yeah, were really think... doing a true Watchmen. This this podcast should be two hours long. I think yeah, we we're really cramming a lot into a, a much much shorter time time bucket, just like our friends Zack Center. Um, with that said, we're also um, going to go slow motion for the last thirty seconds, so that's going to stretch it out to about five minutes. Folks, <laughs> you want to take us out? Uh, I will just say this: if you're listening to this the day it went up, uh, Gem City Comic Con is Saturday and Sunday. I will be there with a table. Come and see me if you want, and I know you won't because no one's going to listen to this or show up. But I will be there, so check that out. Otherwise, you should leave us a message at uh, facebook.com slash naospod or on any of the social medias at naospod. Suggest a movie to us because that's how we picked Watchmen. Our friend Nate asked us to do it. And so there you go. Until next week, Nate? Yeah, until next week, we can just say that we're done with this episode. Hallelujah. Oh, oh God. It's fucking... It's got Patrick Wilson's ass in my head again. It's so smooth. <laughs>